Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into the final regular season episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Royal Lynx Golf Tours. The weather was unseasonably warm this weekend, so maybe you got out and had a chance to hit the links. But if you didn't, and have always wanted to been going, and have always wanted to go to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales, Royal Lynx Golf Tours is your tour golf tour specialist, offering unforgettable trips that are custom itineraries. There are immersive cultural and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Lynx Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum, Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to play St. Andrews or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back again to unfortunately recap the Bearcats 27-24 loss in the home finale, snapping the second longest uh, home winning streak in the nation, keeping the Bearcats out of the AAC conference title game, would have been a fourth consecutive trip. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Jeff Howell. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Dave. As all, good morning, Alex, in the chat. I uh, hope we have a, a vigorous and uh, <laughs> vociferous chat today. And uh, as always, as we do every week, I kick it to you for your first main impression of uh, how you digested the Bearcats' close loss. Uh, I thought it was kind of a kind of a weird game. A little bit. Obviously, you're going to have have that whenever. Um... You know, your your starting quarterback is someone different uh, all the way at the very end of the season when everybody's kind of locked in with one guy. Um, I thought he, Evan did. I mean, he doesn't have any special stat that you're going to look at and think that it's fantastic. But at the end of the day, the team was in a position to win. Uh, they didn't get the stops they needed. They didn't make it extra plays that they needed to make on offense to to have that happen and it uh slipped away from them at the end it sure did um i mean my biggest frustration lies in the fact that tulane came in and did what exactly what i thought they would do and so if they did exactly what I thought they do, I, I hope that they did exactly what the coaching staff thought they would do, which was give the ball to Tajay Spears time after time after time. He finished with 35 carries for 181 yards. They have two pretty good backup running backs who didn't even see the field. They were just like, we don't care. This is our guy. We're going to ride him. He's the one that, is our premier player. And if we're going to win this game, it's going to be on his back. And that's exactly what they did. Um, it's also the second loss this year where, as you said, the D was in a position to get a stop. Now it might not have ended the game in this case, there was still six, you know, six minutes left. Um, but just like in the central Florida game, Bearcats not great offensively, somehow scratch and claw their way to a lead late in the fourth quarter. 
and the defense cannot get it done. And it and wasn't good. Good, no, go ahead. Uh, I, I'll just say, like, on when the, uh, when the when the defense wasn't able to 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 stop them there in the fourth quarter, it, I think the more frustrating part there was they they flipped their script of what they were doing the entire game and just threw it over our heads. Yeah, and but that that happens when you've been so successful running the ball. Yeah. And there and the thought is, well, why would they stop giving the ball to Tajay Spears? He's done whatever he's wanted. And so now a good offense, a good offensive coordinator goes, "Okay, let's see what we can maybe run something we haven't showed them yet. They're expecting one thing and we give them something else." But I mean, the run defense against premier the premier running backs the premier running offenses that they have faced this year has not been good the numbers are good overall but there was just i mean no no push up front overran plays there was you know, poor gap discipline poor tackling couldn't get off blocks um just overall extremely poor run defense um, we were missing you, know, you we could were missing point Corleone to and Perry. Miss, for sure, but you're missing you're missing dudes, and we've been missing dudes along the defensive line all year. But you know they didn't do anything special. They didn't run any gadget plays. They didn't fool you. They lined up and said, "We are going to do this because this is what we do." Stop it. And we could. And what? And whether it was a personnel issue, uh, adjustment issue, a scheme issue, didn't matter. Like it's across the board. I mean, everybody is culpable um, when you lose a game. It's you know, I, I do not try to single out any one person, anyone, even one one particular unit. But like, if you know what they're gonna do, and they're able to do it with that level of success, um, it didn't matter that Michael Pratt was not very good, not very accurate. I mean, he made a couple really good throws, obviously on that one back-to-back yeah. throws on that drive. But again, like. On the one, on the first one, the receiver ran all the way across the field, and he just had plenty of time to wait for him to clear and, and become open. And you know the the whole havoc and tackles for loss and pass rushes really dropped uh, in in league play. You only had one sack yesterday, three tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. Uh, so they're just not getting to the quarterback as much as they were earlier in the year. They're not generating turnovers. You know, you had nine and eight conference games, and four of them were against Temple. So they're just not, you know, defensively not as good, and that's understandable. Like, you've lost a lot of really good players. You've lost a lot of key players through injury. Um, but if this is going to be your calling card, if this is going to be your bread and butter, you can't just at home in a game of this magnitude, you can't just let the other team come in and do exactly what they want. And exactly what the you mouth repeatedly with, and exactly uh, no what you knew they were going to do. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you know, come on. I don't know if you want to if you want to pop up the uh, oh, the screen yeah. down there. Uh, I mean, it's just you look at this and you think like maybe maybe that's a game that you win for sure. I mean, we'll get we'll get to it. You know when we when we talk offense, but. You know the de- the defense just wasn't. You know they. It's weird. They hold them 
four for 13 on third down, and I think it was 0 for 4 in the second half. I think they were four for nine in the first half. Um, but it was, it felt just like it was too many, um, whether it was third down or second down, too many short conversions, too, too many second and five, second and threes. Tajay Spears was always getting something. He had no carries for negative yards. Even when it felt like you had him stopped, he was twisting and falling for three. That and was then a they would comment that I made uh, while watching the game was like, the dude never went down on on first contact backwards. Or I don't know what's going on with my light here. Um, he never went down like backwards. He never went like straight down. It was always at least the length of his body forward. Yeah. And, and when you're letting somebody. I mean, what did he average there carry-wise? Like five was... yards, five yards of carry. So, 5.2. Like, yeah. you, if you can just hand the ball off to somebody that can fall forward on every play, get five and a half, well, 5.2 yards of carry if you want to be that perfectly accurate, and you'll never even see a third down, theoretically. No, I mean, they had four of them the entire second half. They went 0 for 4 and 0 for 1 on fourth down. But, like, they didn't have many because it was always second. They were converting on second down a lot of the time, yeah. clearly. Um, but, you, you know, it was also kind of a microcosm of the entire season rolled into one game in the sense of, like, you know, against UCF, couldn't really stop the run when it mattered. Um, you know, we have we still have these crucial errors you have a roughing the punter, which I'm not sure why you're even attempting to block that punt. Thank you. On the first drive of the game, or after you go three and out and you punt or whatever it was, and then you hold them to a three and out, like, just just take the ball. Just there, you, you held them, take the ball. You have the p- pass interference in the end zone on fourth down, which I kind of understand the gripe of maybe it was uncatchable, maybe it wasn't. But Brian, Brian Threats just shoved the guy right in the chest right in front of the official yeah like yeah. you can you can dispute whether it was catchable but like you can't do that right in front of the back judge standing right next to the goal post just chuck a guy running through the middle of the end zone and not think they're gonna call it especially when the pass comes right over his head regardless it's to that of guy like it, yeah. yeah it wasn't to another receiver and you were you know yes it was to him and then you have the the interception that was an awful decision, an awful throw, and, you know, in your territory then. So you're giving a team that, you know, that you've done pretty well against defensively to that point. Like, you just can't make those types of of errors and think that you're going to beat good teams. And, and Tulane is a good team. Like, I mean, hats off to them. Like, I know, we we do it on whenever we, you know, we lose. We don't, we're not making excuses or saying that, like, they lucked into a win in any way shape or form like they they came in and uh for what it's worth took the took the crown off the king no their best players played great games i mean obviously t- we've talked about Tajay spears but defensively on the preview show talked about their linebackers talked about dorian williams talked about nick anderson Tw- 24 total tackles and an interception yeah. like i mean those then, are uh, is one of them number 12 whoever the, the guy was that made the I don't know if it was our second to last drive or our last drive made made the play on where, Wiley on the oh, internet. Yeah. No. 
No, that was DJ Douglas. He had one tackle and one pass breakup, and that was a pretty and, big pass breakup. Because I think that goes for a pretty long, long way. Even if it, I mean, even if it just goes right there. I mean, it yeah. was third down, and <clears throat> they're down at fifteen or something. Yeah. So no, I mean, they're three. Their top three, what I would consider their top three players, played. You know, played great games. I'd throw Darius Hodge in there too. Their other linebacker. Four total tackles, but had two QB hits and seemed to be, you know, around around the ball a lot. But you just defensively, you can't. And you know, I know Arquan Bush was the victim there, and not you know explaining away any of it. But you know, I think they hid that a lot of the season. He's had pretty bad foot toe issues for several years, and just doesn't have the long speed. To, to truly be an outside guy, in my opinion. The, the, and the catch up speed. They were able to hide it and and most of the season and, and get away with it, even against the other good, you know, passing teams. But you know, eventually you're gonna get you're gonna get got, you're gonna get exposed, and and he did. And it's unfortunate that that happens, but you know, it, to me it all kind of rolls into run game and not being able to get to the quarterback. When they yeah. did throw, I mean, they did get some hit, hits on him a few times, and he was able to throw, you know, dump the ball off. Or, but even on some of those, like those plays, there was pet, poor tackling. Like there, I remember one where he's getting drilled and slings it off to Lawrence Key on the on the Lawrence Keys on the far sideline, and we've got him for like a four yard loss, and he you know breaks a tackle and it turns into an eight yard gain. Yeah, I mean they 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 made the plays like. uh Doug over here, I think it's Doug Smith over there. Um in the chat. Like they, they made plays at the times that they needed plays, and we had very unfortunate bad plays when we needed something to spark, you know, the either a stop there with six minutes to go or whatever it was, probably probably then you're looking at you get the ball back with like five minutes if you make a you know, get them on a three and out there. Um and really like the way that they were doing things they, they could they didn't go three and out a lot like we normally see them go like there were not a lot of like short drives i think justin williams tweeted and said that this was the first time i'm talking about uc's offense here this is the first time that uc's offense has had three drives of 10 plus plays in one game all season right now some of that comes to the fact that like ryan montgomery was you know I saw people saying like the Ryan Montgomery game. Um, hey. I mean, they they had more of it. They converted them more of their available yards than Tulane did. And that was only by like two percent. But you know, yeah, yeah, the, they had two, especially in the second half, two long touchdown drives. But um, they didn't do yeah. enough of the things when they needed to be done. No, not not nearly enough. And I guess we can flip over. To the offense now, and, and definitely start with Monty and Chuck, 25 for 152, just over six yards of carry. I mean, that's the type of running back production that we've been asking for, that we've been hoping. I mean, they, and it was not, it was not buoyed. I mean, Chuck had a 35 yard run, but it was not like it was a 70 yard run, mm-hmm. a 30 yard run, and then 23 carries for 50 yards. 
I mean, Montgomery, Montgomery's longest run was 17 yards. Yeah, it was a consistent, good running attack. Evan added in with 18 rushes for 83 yards. The EPA per rush was 92nd percentile, which is very, very strong for anybody, and especially the way that they've been running the ball. It's, it's fantastic, and it's exactly what they needed uh, yeah. in this game. The problem is that, I mean, I, ha- I have to get into it, is like, Evan was just not nearly good enough and certainly not good enough for a starting caliber quarterback. Um, 10 for 26 for 102 yards. If you have an average passing game, whether it's him or Ben, it's hard for me to see them losing. Yeah. And I don't know how much of what they did running wise, like, was changed or was helped by the fact that Evan can also run. Oh, um, I'm 100% I'm sure it is, but like 26 but, throws is the number that that I think you want to see from this type of an offense. Like But you can't have 10 completions. Him him running the ball is is how you make up for not throwing the ball 35 times and I talked about on Wednesday night like at least 10 plus runs for him and it turned into 18 obviously not all 18 were were designed Evan right. Prater run plays, but like, right. here's two numbers that I looked at to kind of compare to the the rest of the conference season. So we they averaged 4.88 yards per play, which is 23rd percentile, which is not good. It was not the worst of the year. Um, I think it was third worst in conference play. But what yeah. that shows me is how important that still having a level of passing game is to the overall offensive attack because the running game was great. It was the best it's been against a really good defense as well. And yet you still only average 4.88 yards per play. And then the super concerning number is the 3.78 yards per drop back, which was by far the lowest of the season. And in some cases, half of what most games were like most games were well into the sevens. So to go half of that shows me, and, and the stats show it too, Will Pauling's catch on the sideline of 21 yards was the longest completion of the game. The next longest was 13 yards. So there was no threat of them throwing the ball down the field at all. And I, and I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have really an answer. I, I, the I'm okay person. with if you're going to complete – Passes 17, 18, 19 passes. If you're not going to throw the ball down the field for whatever reason you want, then you cannot be completing like 30-something, 40-something percent. If he doesn't have the arm to throw it down the field well, like that, that's, that's then... A, that's another thing. You, that was my first, gonna... That's my first note about the, the passing in general. Alarming at the lack of power behind throws. I... uh. It, it, which is odd because like there were a, there were a couple throws that were absolute darts. His last like one the, to Tyler Scott it, was it, the best the, was the best throw he had all game. Yeah, that, I mean, and then they, the the one to Pauling, I, I thought he he had a little bit on there was, a, but outside of that, and I I was talking to his um, high school quarterback coach. Um, over the weekend, and he said it appears that his his throwing motion has changed um, and and gotten more wind like more yeah. wind up more than, than 
than it was when when he was at in high school. Um, he unfortunately he wasn't able to like really watch the game much because he's still the, right. The, he's the OC at his high, and they they played last night. So um, it I, I don't know. There's there there's a lot of concerning things. I've seen a lot of, of people that are like, oh, you, you, know, you can't be in a program three years and not uh, not have, like, a level of improvement. Uh, hold on a second. But he, the two throws to, to Trey Tucker on screens that were bounced are, are concerning to me because, like, that's a play where you know automatically what you're doing. Yeah. You're not reading anything. You are catching the ball, turning – and and you're firing it chest high, you know, a little bit to the inside to give him an opportunity to catch it on the move and run up the field. And Trey is stand having to stand flat footed, waiting for the ball to get there, yes. bending down, and it bounces to him twice. Yeah. Like I- you know, a lot of the passes, especially in the first half, were were floated. The interception was floated, and you know when you float balls, they get they get batted up in the air. And it was behind. It was behind him. It yeah, was, it was well, it was into and, three guys around him too. I mean, right. there was a whole mess of things going on there. But just just in general, like you had floating passes, late passes. He had Tyler Scott over the middle on one that was late that Tyler got hit on that you know he wasn't able to catch. Didn't give his guys chances to run. Um, you know, I thought at times he hung in the pocket well. Yeah, but almost took that to an extreme where it's like nothing's there. Use your legs. Go get three, four, five yards. Yeah. Like you have to have an internal clock. You have to have an awareness that yes, I'm trying to make something happen. Yes. We have good receivers who are, who are working to get open, but there were plays like he's floating towards the sideline or floating in the pocket where I'm just like, dude, it's not there. Just go, go get something, go, go try to make a play. And he just didn't, didn't do that. And you know, it, it, it's frustrating because you lose a three-point game and you don't attack down the field, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. I mean, those plays take longer to develop if you're not confident in your pass protection, which I thought until the very, very end actually did a pretty darn darn good he, job. He had, he, had, he had pretty clean pockets the whole, the whole game. So if you're, if you're not going to be this explosive vertical passing attack that you are with Ben Bryant and you're only going to have 26 attempts, obviously he had more dropbacks, some turned into scrambles, things of that nature. Mm. But like you're going to not throw the ball as much because your running backs get 25 carries and he runs the ball for 18. You just can't be 10 for 26, man. Like there's no other way I can say it. Like your passing game is set up to not to be a, a plus 55%, 60%, really good, really good quarterback in that type of a, of a format is a 65, 70% passer. I mean, I, I said it, I think on PTP, maybe that you didn't need, you didn't need Evan to, to come out and do anything extreme or special. He just had to do enough. Just, just really the bare minimum of what you would expect in a situation like this of a kid that's getting his first start and probably the biggest game of the season at this point. I mean, it, it was. 
and you just need him to kind of take care of business, take care of the ball. Unfortunately, he had the one turnover, and then he kind of came back from that because then they, they ended up taking the lead. But that one one little, like, additional possession for, for Tulane really, really ended up kind of killing him. But he's a, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think his his ceiling his ceiling might be there. It worries. It does worry me that he's been in the program this long. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's had three years. I understand he's kind of been, you know, he's been there. He's been behind Desmond Ritter. Uh, obviously, he was. I don't know what his. The only kind of theories I can come up with in my head are one, he's behind Desmond Ritter. He knows he's not bumping him out. Um. Two, then Ben Bryant comes in and wins the job, and now he's he's still in a, a backup role, and he's just not getting the the reps with the ones to get him familiar with it, and he's not really seeing a lot of like mop up time during the season. Now I, I don't know what kind of effect that has truly on on the development. Like at some point you've got to be able to put in, and I'm not calling into question his work ethic at all. Like. I just don't know where the the disconnect is that he's not seemingly on the same page uh, as some of the guys on the field. And then, like you said, like when you're making throws out a a designed a designed throw into the flat, and you're throwing a you know a fifty mile an hour sinker, uh, <laughs> right? Like that, that's not gonna that's not gonna get it done. You know, I think Natalie asked to what degree are those about those things? First game jitters. I mean, I'm sure part of it. I mean, it's an experience factor. It's not even as necessarily as much of a yeah. first start big game moment type thing. It's just a, like a, I don't have that many reps under my belt. I don't, I haven't seen as many things as other players have seen. The concern to me is, is that some of the things that I saw should have nothing to do with mm. first game jitters or, uh, first start jitters or the magnitude of the moment to me, they are that, that the idea that this, that this was like a truly a two man race does not hold any water to me anymore. That this is truly more of like a starter in a true backup situation. And, and that like from a, just from a, of a throwing standpoint, you know, to miss on some of the throws that he missed on tells me that he, whether it's him not being able to get to a certain level, whether it's the coaches not being able to, to get him to a certain level, just tells me that he is still much, much more of a runner athlete who can play the position versus what I think a lot of teams are going to which is a quarterback who has running escape ability that yes. is not necessarily a runner, but is a movable piece that can get you yard like like a Michael Pratt. I'm not going to like Michael Pratt's yep. not the greatest thing ever, but several times they put trips to one side, a tight end to the other, and just straight ran him off that edge for seven, eight, nine yards. He has escape ability. He's He's a movable piece. You can, Mo you can have, 
You can half roll him. You can bootleg him. You can do different things to move the pocket, to change launch angles, to change eye angles. Like he's not Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but like that's the thing that I think college quarterbacks are, are going to more so than anything is a passing quarterback who has movement skills, who can can get himself out of trouble, who has to be accounted for, you know, in the run game to some extent. And and I just feel like what in watching that and 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 what we've seen leading up to the year and what we've seen in the limited amount of, of action that, that that Evans gotten is that he is still much more athlete runner than and quarterback runner. Than quarterback. Um I, I was surprised and may, and maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, so you can you can correct me if you saw it differently. I, I was actually kind of surprised that I that there weren't more it seemed like there was a lot more of like straight dropbacks, just like not not necessarily calling a lot of like rollouts, not yep. moving mm-hmm. him outside of the pocket to to give him because it seemed like when you know on on some of those plays like for instance like like the the Will Pauling throw, uh, which was just a outstanding catch. I mean, you're not going to see a better one. I don't think getting your foot in on something like that. Um, I mean, he extended that play 12, 13 seconds. It seemed like he was back there. Uh, I didn't, I I was just surprised. I thought there would be more, um, more concerted effort to get him outside the pocket. Um, I I agree. I think he looked more comfortable on those throws when he was moving um, than he did on the ones where he was, you know, two, three step drop. I mean, obviously like we've, we've hit on the ones where he threw them in the dirt and the ones where he floated them in. A, and I feel like those throws all came from a pure, like Ben Bryant esque straight drop back because we all know like Ben wasn't, he was he wasn't going to you know, take off running for, for 12, 13, 14 yards. That wasn't going to happen with him. Um, and I, I, I just feel like maybe, and obviously, you know, they had a, a week to truly put in a, a different style of game plan. And we talked about it like on the show last week. There, there's just not going to be a wholesale change in the way things are are done. And yeah, they put some things in for Evan. I just thought there would be more. Yeah, that's a, that's I did too. I mean, I thought those were ways that they could. Um, help him with reads. Like when you get outside the pocket and you can see like, here's my read. If it's not there, just go. And I think that's some of my frustration is that he had in those opportunities, he tried to be quarterback where I'm like, just be athlete. Yeah. Your first reads not there. Dude, just be athlete. Go, go get whatever you can get. And it tells me that this, those type of rollouts, those type of outside the pocket plays just aren't in the playbook. Yeah, they're just it's not, just there. not part of what they do because I I thought that would make sense to 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 do design things, not where things break down and he has to go do that on because that's on his own. <clears throat> um, but you know, like misdirection stuff, <clears throat> we didn't see any pop passes or handoffs or shovels or to to Trey Tucker or anybody else. Like we didn't we didn't you know fake anything one way, roll Evan out the other way to hit a tight end. I thought he was. Like the slip plays that they try to run with Wiley and, and t- they tried to run it with Trey too. They were either read well or he was late on it. Like 
you know, and I, some of those times I don't love that play because I feel like they get too close to each other mm. and it's easy to just have one guy basically guard two. Um, and I thought that happened a couple of times. I think one time with Trey, especially they felt like they were real too close and Evan ended up cutting it up and running it for, a, you know, three, four five yards, something like that. But, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. There's only so much you can do in a week. Like you said, you're not going to revamp everything. And, you know, you have one, you have a pretty distinct difference in your styles of quarterback. So you're not going to have this expansive wild playbook to where if your one quarterback can't play, then we have all of this other stuff at our disposal. Um, because you're not going to have time to work at all. Like you can only yeah. run stuff that you have worked on uh, during the season. So you're not going to have like Ben Bryant playbook and Evan Prater playbook, because how are you going to work all that stuff? Well, and, and some of that comes into to what we discussed way back at the beginning of the season. When, when the initial, um, you know, Ben Bryant hate was out there that just, I don't know, seem, seemingly festered all year. Um, and people thought we were just in here, you know, talking to, to defend him, purely to defend him. And you said that you would not be against kind of a, a you know, a little Evan Prater package that would get him on the field in some, in some different scenarios uh, with some different plays that he could run. Maybe, hey, look, you know, the next two series are going to be yours. Uh had I don't know if had those things happened, maybe we saw on on Friday why that wasn't put together that way because it's seemingly a crapshoot if that even uh, would have been successful during the season. Uh, yeah, you can look back and say, well, if you did that and gave him some experience, that you know maybe some of these things wouldn't have happened on on Friday the way they happened. He wouldn't be ten for twenty six. Maybe he would be. 15 for 26 and if he's 15 for 26 yeah you're you're up there and maybe you, you win the game i don't know um i i think it's worth talking about you know had there been this like evan prater package maybe your playbook there is expanded a little bit obviously those are still things you have to run and that's going to cut into your practice time that you have to implement those things but i, I, yeah, mean, I, I don't know <clears throat> Some specialty stuff like that is what I was talking about for a long time, but it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that that you have an offense, and and this is what the staff has decided their offense to be, and you need to tailor that to to your players. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't, you can't be hard headed and say this is what we're going to run regardless of what. Um, what our, our personnel is. And I don't think that was an issue Friday. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem with how they ran the offense on Friday. They just, the passing game did not execute. And, and this is like, you know, yeah. it seems like they haven't taken the easy plays yards. I mean, that's one, that's one of my biggest bones to pick with the offense all year is we've, we've talked about it here a lot is that, and especially in a game like this, <clears throat> trying to get the quarterback going, trying to get the quarterback something easy. I think they did. We just didn't execute, didn't execute, didn't convert. And I'm, and, and that's what, you know, like you said earlier, like we're three years in it. You know, 
yes, not a lot of in-game experience, but a ton of practice experience, a ton of, you know, it was a QB battle in in fall. So he got tons of reps with the ones. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just, it's it's crystallizing that him as a passer. It's not there. Uh, it's just not there. And at this point, you know, how, how many guys do you think, you know, I'm not going to say it can't happen, but like you're, you're, you're three years in, how many guys are just going to turn into, you know, a 60 to 65% passing quarterback? You know, know. you have to be in a very specific scheme where you're very run heavy. Your, your throws are short to intermediate and you you take advantage of of a defense that is basically selling out to stop the run like a triple option style offense it's it's just you know i'm i'm not I'm not trying to be a certain way about it i'm just trying yeah. to be honest in what i see and yeah. and look at how you know and the the it, only thing we have to look at really for his for an extended amount of, of plays are the the second half against temple and this game against Tulane and what what was shown in that is not necessarily promising. Right. Because the second half of Temple, I think rightfully they clearly just said, let's not let's think we don't have to lose this game. Yeah. Like just don't lose the game. I'm not we're not concerned with with what he can or can't do. Let's just the defense is playing great. Um you know, we'll we'll call the plays that need to be called given the time and down and distance, and we'll lean on the run game, and we'll get the hell out of here. The, this game was the concerning game to me because you got a full week to prepare. You got all the reps. I mean, clearly, you know, Ben Bryant did not practice. <laughs> right. Uh, so you got everything. You got to sit in the meetings with the coaches, telling them, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. You got to sit in the meetings with the coaches talking about scripting the first 15. Okay, Evan, what do you like? What do you not like? What do you want to do here? They show us this. What do you mean? And then to just from a pure passing standpoint, it was concerning to me because it's concerning to me in the sense of where does this giant leap come from if, say, Ben Bryant doesn't return and he's the starting and he's the starting quarterback next year? Well, I think Natalie fired the uh, the question off. You can't revamp things in one week, but it makes me wonder what happens going into 2023 and what exactly uh, they did coming into this season. I think coming into this season, they, I mean, it makes sense why they went out and got Ben Bryant out of the portal. I, I mean, I think you, you, hit, on, hit, you hit on a sneaky a sneaky one right there. I, mean, um, I think they think they knew. Well, they, you know, they literally, as soon as he hit the portal, you know, they're, they're up there, look, you know, offered him to come back. Yeah. So I mean, they, they you, build an offense around a, a pure passing quarterback, quarterback that has, and we can argue till we're blue in the face about usage rates and things like that, but that has playmakers on the outside, tight ends, running backs, like, quality quality pieces around him we're not having to smoke a mirror with you know a bunch of run rpo stuff a bunch of run game quarterback run stuff not that that is necessarily smoke and mirrors but like they had an offense in mind 
and a quarterback in mind, and they went and got that quarterback, and you know they're nine and two going to play a game, and he gets hurt, and you know I'm not going to say if you know I don't do the whole coulda shoulda woulda. Tulane deserves all the credit in the world. They've had a I mean to go from two and ten to ten and two and in the conference championship game deserve deserve tons of credit. Tajay Spears is a dude. We knew he was a dude. Like couldn't stop him. But you can't you can't then also not go, man, if Ben played, I'm pretty sure we win. I mean, that's what we do as and fans. That's, that's though, life. Right? That's like, that's football. That's, that guys get hurt. You know, it happens. I'm not I'm not gonna bemoan bemoan that. I mean, but like you know and then but then, like you say that, like yeah, if Ben if Ben's in the game, you know, you, you win whatever you think you win. I think it's gonna happen. Uh, but then when it comes down to it, they had the lead for sure. They fought. They fought back and got the lead regardless of what was going on. Um, you know, there it wasn't a situation where you know they scored on you know three play drives with these you know. 60 70 yard passes down the field uh they they took time off the clock on on the drives the drives that that went these you know the uh the plus the 10 plus plays you're you're seeing it and you're like okay maybe things are starting to click maybe things are, are coming together here you know some some decent little passes some good really good runs um yeah it's, de- it's it's definitely just a handful of things but it's a handful of things that either Kill a drive from starting, well, you, or, you or kill it or kill a drive altogether. And like, and when and when you have, so like when you when you have a quarterback that is the way we've described and discussed the last you know half hour or whatever we've talked about it, um, you you cannot be can't start deep in your own territory, and your first play be a false start when you need to get down the field. Sure, you just, you. You just can't start at first and 15 when you don't seemingly have the ability to throw the ball. And this is a, this is a really good point too. It's not that, you know, Ben wins the game. It's that Tyler and Trey get the ball more and they win the game. And that I actually wrote this down and didn't mention it yet. Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Josh Wiley, 13 targets, one catch. Whether and that's scheming it up to get the, like sometimes you just got to scheme it up and get the, get the dudes the ball, or it's not being able to get them the ball because you can't complete a pass. Like, yeah, like it, it's not that Ben goes out there and on his back says, "Let's go, dudes! I got right. you. We're going to win this thing." It's that Tyler Scott probably gets at least five catches, seven catches. And now you maybe run the ball less. You're obviously going to run the ball less because you're not going to have 18 runs from your quarterback. Right. But Trey Tucker doesn't have zero catches. You know, Josh Wiley probably doesn't have zero catches. Lenny Taylor probably doesn't have one target. Like, Jane Thompson had nine targets. Yeah. Had um, five of the ten catches. <clears throat> Longest I mean, one was eight yards. Like, there was no there was no – they didn't have to think for one second that we were going to try to throw the ball over their head. But with how, the, you know the how much easier Wiley, it is to play defense? How easy oh. it is to, easier to is to play defense when the safeties aren't worried about getting run by? Man, I, and I don't, I don't. There, there were a couple. It, it has to come down to the fact that he can't throw the ball that far. 
that's the only thing I can think of because there were several plays where he had a clean pocket. He's not scrambling around. He doesn't have to do anything back except sit and wait for two, four, three, forty guys on the outside to just run by people. And you can't tell me that the, he can he, he can throw the ball that far. I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, okay. I don't think it's a lack of like, but again, but it does make it made me wonder like, at what point do you just try to make a play? You just you you game it up and you send Tyler Scott on like a double move, and you just you know shit force it like try yeah. to make a play like we didn't or roll him out roll him out and let him launch one. I mean, it can just be in the in the a, a normal play that we've run countless times like we didn't yeah i don't think they're like the the touchdown that ben had um against ecu on the on the uh rpo at the tyler scott i mean i i certainly can be wrong but it didn't feel like we even ran much like rpo throw game stuff yeah it did seem like a lot of that stuff was like pretty pretty basic like you know front front of the playbook kind of stuff and uh no doubt, uh, no doubt. I mean, because you're, you, gonna, you're you, gonna have that with a a guy that hasn't played, you know, more than really two truly meaningful quarters of football in three years. For sure, and and I think that's where you get into like the whole like read one side of the field, one read. If it's not there, go. Whereas yeah. Ben, Ben has been good at, you know. It, and this had errors at the same time, but he's been good at hanging in, waiting for things to develop late, getting to maybe his second or third um, read. Where I don't, I don't even want Evan to do that. Like that was my problem. Like I don't want you hanging in there, trying and, to make something happen. I want you to see it, or and if you don't see it, go, go be an athlete, go make a play, go get four or five yards, and set up second and five. Don't. Don't hang in there thinking that this this receiver that I'm locked in on is going to all of a sudden break open, and, yeah. and I can get him the ball. And that 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 seemed like what was going on. And then you know when it when it all boils down to it, the best pass of the game is on fourth and fifteen to uh, on a, a play your best, that your best player a, <laughs> a play that we have seen countless times be completed and then you watch him split the defense he's got to beat one safety right there and my bet is on tyler scott if he hauls that in i, yeah. I would put that I mean, 75 percent chance that he's taking it to the house it's a great throw by evan it's a bad play by tyler scott and he'll be thinking about I'm that sure for a long time i mean but the, i mean obviously i'm it was a it was a whole game. It was a whole game of there were things that happened throughout that that put them in that position. Um, right. I mean, you can't like if he catches it and gets tackled there, you still have under a minute yeah. and thirty something, forty something yards. You've got to get to get into field goal range for a tie. Like, I mean, yes. Yeah. There's, there's still a lot of things you got to. <laughs> Who do knows there. what would have happened? But I mean, it's tough for me to put too much on on one oh, singular no play like that so far in into Just, the game. It's the same reason you don't put you you don't like hang the game on on Arquan Bush's shoulders. Yeah. Like you, you you know you don't do that. And it, obviously, the the Twitter sphere, there were folks that were putting it on this guy or this guy or this guy, and like this this team has we've talked about it has won ugly pretty much all year, 
Um, they no. they played with they kind of played with fire a lot. Um, the team didn't play good enough all the way they, around. I mean, special teams done. Special teams has been great all year, and they weren't bad, but they were pretty even. Like we had the penalty on the punt. Ryan Coe kicked one out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, we made the one made the field goal that we attempted and uh, didn't give up any like gave up a, a fairly decent punt return on one. I want to say. Uh, let's see. Yeah, gave up a 14 yard punt return, which never happens, gave up a 31 mm-hmm. yard kickoff return, which never happens. Like their kicker. Put everything in the end zone. You had an 11 yard return and a 21 21 yard return. Um no returns on punts. You know, he punted four times. There were no returns. He only averaged 40 yards and, and Mason averaged 45. So he had a little, but like there was not a huge disparity in, in the special teams game. It was very, very even. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something where we have, yeah, that's been a big advantage for us. So you don't stop the run. You aren't a clear winner in special teams and you, you know, complete 40% of your passes, like everybody has, is at fault in this game. And I don't care if you lose by three or 30, like everybody contributed and it's not good enough. And I understand the frustration and, you know, it, it, there's a lot of factors that clearly go into it. I mean, you're already way up against the eight ball when you start a backup quarterback in a game of this magnitude. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, a game of this magnitude against another comparable team. So yeah. I mean, when, you, when you're not great in three pretty big areas on, on, in all aspects of, of the game, you're probably going to lose. It, I do want to bring this up because I, I saw it get posted. Um, I think it was uh Viva La Cats uh, Twitter that, that posted it and Aaron probably uh, knows what I'm about to bring up. Uh, Desmond Ritter against UCLA in 2018 was 13 of 24 for 100 yards. But UCLA also won carries. like three freaking games that year. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> they're for I, here. This is what I'm saying. I am not saying that Evan becomes Desmond Ritter because I think in that situation, Des had. What I think it was his redshirt sophomore year, so a redshirt freshman year. Uh, yeah, redshirt freshman year. So he had 2018. He, he, he was in the 2017 so, class. So he had had less less time, you know, developing. It's just an interesting stat uh, that really means nothing uh, in the in the whole grand scheme of things. But I just thought when, when somebody put it, they, their Twitter account put it up. I just thought it was kind of kind of interesting that. You know the the similarities and the the stat numbers there, uh, but the the other difference there is they they did enough to to win that game. Yeah, Mike Warren you know, was a dude. UCLA right. wasn't very good. I mean, Ryan Montgomery tried to be the dude, and he he did his damnedest. I mean, they ran we ran the ball more more than fine. More, yeah, Mike Shit, Warren compared was to how defense. compared to how we uh, had been running the ball all year. Um, we ran the ball quite, you know, better than we had. I mean, Holly, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but I think they did. 
he ran the ball 18 times. He, she says, I don't think they used Evan to his strengths enough. They ran the ball 18 times and, and had short to inter, intermediate pass plays. Like That's exactly how I thought he should be used. Run the ball with his athletic ability and give him quick, easy decisions in the passing game, and he was, we weren't able to convert him. It wasn't like they were trying to hit 20, you know, 17 yard crossers and double move corner routes and 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 plays that take a long time to develop. You know, I don't I don't know what else they could have done. I mean, sure, you can nitpick here and there and say you could have done some some jet sweeps, could have could have ran him like some very intentional runs like they did with Pratt. You know, you just get the ball and you go around the edge. Um Yes, there's always going to be things that in the course of an entire game you can say, oh, I wish they would have done that, or maybe they could have had more success if they had done this. But the overall grand scheme of the offensive game plan, I don't have an issue with. They didn't they didn't execute it in the passing game. They executed it in the running game. And they yeah. ran for you know, you had zero negative run plays. Montgomery and Chuck lost zero yards running the ball. Evan lost five yards running the ball in one sack. So of 240 available yards running the ball, they gained 235 of them for 5.5 yards a carry. That is more than enough to win that game with any semblance of a passing attack. And there wasn't one. No. And, you know, if it sounds like we're being extremely critical, well, this was to go to a conference championship game. And, you know, you you have to be critical. And and if you're going to sit here and, and, uh, you know, this isn't going to turn into like an I told you so thing, like, because I don't care. I I want the best players to play. I want them to win all their games. I don't give a rip who plays. It does not matter to me one bit who actually plays as long as they're producing and the team is winning. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that he should have been starting all year, I'm going to sit here and tell you that Friday was why he wasn't. And I don't, I think, I don't think that type of mindset coming back has any leg to stand on. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe Chad mentioned something about it on, on his Twitter. Um, The expectations here in Cincinnati, obviously, over the last five years, have changed greatly. Uh, it, it's a a place where you know, go look. They're nine and three, and that is good. They're nine and three. I, I want borderline you, unrealistic expectations. Yes, go look. Go look at like at the Big Ten and look at like the Big Ten West all the way down. Do you want to be? Do you want to be that? Borderline unrealistic expectations is fine, but when the evidence is presented to you, you also have to be cognizant enough to say, yep, I can see why decisions have been made. The sample size is incredibly small, but the sample size is all I have to go off of. So if what I'm shown tells me one thing, I can't just go, nope. That no. that's not real. Exactly. Like if if he'd have played more, that wouldn't have been what we would have saw. And like, maybe that's the case, but we don't know that. You you don't know that he that pure game reps improves him. Now the the thing is is between here and whatever bowl we end up in, he's gonna have 
a lot of time to practice with the ones. You get 15 practices. I mean, so you get have be, you have it'll that. Be, you know, depending on when when the bowl is, and it'll be interesting to see what comes go against. I'm not sure you're going to see like some oh, no, tan- there's not tangible like a light switch change tangible difference in the, in that amount of time. But the, I mean, there are still things I'd like to see. Like I would like to see if you're going to call a, a jet a jet pass that you don't bounce it. Like that to it, me, that has nothing to do with how many games no. you've started. No, uh, it like, doesn't. That that's missing a... missing some throws by like yards, like yards, not like placement. You know, I should have hit him here to the left, and I hit him behind. Like missing throws by yards has nothing to yeah. do with how many games you've started. It has to do with footwork and you know delivery and just being a passer of the football. Those things I want to see improve for sure. Because yeah. I want to see them win a 10th game. Like yeah. I don't care at all who the, who the quarterback is, who the center is, who the backup outside linebacker is. Doesn't matter to me one bit. I don't, there, none of these people are in my family. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> you know, one way or the other, uh, just win the game and the best players play and they need to produce or other players need to play if they have earned the, you know, earned that, you know, just because someone isn't playing great, you don't just make a change to make a change. The, the other person that you're going to put in has to have earned it and give you at least the same, you know, level of production. Yeah. So the person you put in, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like when we talked about it, and I know he's gotten some, gotten some things, but like Ar- Arquan Bush, you know, he's he he's a, a slot corner, um, and you know, everybody said, well, kind of at the beginning of the season, I remember discussing like, well, why wouldn't we maybe look at putting him back there and giving somebody putting somebody else on the outside? But what we were getting out of our slot corners this year was pretty good, right? So I mean, that was that was my thing with with that is, and I, I had that question going into the year. Like they, they obviously felt more comfortable with Taj Ward and Sammy Anderson. Aaron, where are you? We've got, we've got some infiltrators. Oh no. (laughs) Get out of there. Uh, We are not that kind of show. They obviously felt more comfortable with Taj Ward and Sammy Anderson in the slot and Arquan outside versus Arquan in the slot and whoever else is playing outside. outside. Now I can disagree and say, you know, I still probably would have maybe done the opposite, but I don't, but I understand the logic behind it. Um, So, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. You lose lose a close game at home and you're going to have these, you have to have these conversations. Um, I would much rather be where we're at now having a conversation and being disappointed, you know that it, that we didn't make it back to a, a fourth conference championship game, then I would be sitting here saying, "Yep, uh, it was nice. You know, we won five games this year. We won six games, and we're bowl eligible. It, it's great. Like that's the the level of things in this right. program. I mean, this fan base has changed so dramatically since Luke Fickle got here, and there's been crazy talk." Crazy talk. People want literally everyone on the coaching staff gone. <laughs> like, 
They're going to be a lot of. I mean, if that's the case, then there's going to be some disappointing people. Like some really disappointing. I, I can people. tell you. I mean, it is uh, nuts. Ninety-nine percent sure. Most of those things that are being asked for are not going to happen. Uh, so. I mean, you, you know. look at you look at the fact that they lost nine guys to the NFL and nine guys that are contributing. Well, give or take a few guys in the NFL, they lost coaches, like main guys that they replaced, and they still were in the position they were in on Friday. They also had injuries to the defensive line in particular. Right. I mean, but like, right. so it's all that, it's all part things, of. I just look happen. at it. There, it's all part of being a high level program. Every every high level right. program loses coaches every year. Yes. Everybody deals like last year. We were very, very lucky from an injury standpoint. This year, we weren't so much. Right. So that's just part of sports in general. But, but it's also a testament to the to where the program is because you sure. you see some places who lose some guys to the NFL or they lose their better guys. Get you know they graduate whatever. Uh, they're no longer in the program. Coaches that move on and go places, and then that program just totally implodes and is off the map. Gone. Right. You have a, you, you have more of a, you have much more of a dip than, than, than what UC had this year and, and expectations were high and rightfully so. And we didn't meet those expectations, but there's a difference between that and understanding what needs to, what can happen, what they can correct, what they can get better at um, versus taking it all the way to the extreme of like we need to bl- blow it all up. Blow like, it up and it's, bring it's not, new people well, in. It's just not going to happen. It it shouldn't happen when you just fall short of expectation. Like you know, you also but also have to like they're not excuses, they're reasons, and you just yeah. have to say that this team just wasn't quite as good as we had hoped. And there are a lot of contributing factors, and and that. And you take that and you and you build on it for next year and you you try to fix those things. You try I mean in in reality, like you know what this team needs? It needs more talent. Like it needs better players. And that's not saying anything personal or anything about any of the any of the guys on the current roster. But against the best teams that they played this year, they were in every single one of those games. Whether they it was lost Ar- Arkansas, total 14 points, is Arkansas, that what the- UCF, Tulane, like, but I would, I would say that from a talent perspective, and, uh, you know, and a and an overall, just yes, Arkansas went six and six. They play in the SEC, like they're still a good. They have a lot of talent. They're still a good team. Even throw East Carolina in there if you want. Like, had a had a solid year. Like, they were all those games were close. They did not have the talent, or you can say the coaching. You can say, what, but to me, it comes down to talent. Like you, you need the dudes to make the plays, and they didn't have the guys in those tight games to make the plays, and so they need more guys. It's a yeah. Jimmy's and Joe's thing, man. Like you watch these games, they're against with these elite teams. They're they're typically very close games, and they're decided because somebody has makes a, play. a, a really good player that makes a play. And we didn't have enough of those guys this year. We didn't have enough of those guys offensively, whether it was in the run game, you know, early in the season, mid-season, whether it was in the past game has been kind of regressed to points during the season. We certainly didn't have enough on defense as the season wore on, where tackles for loss and sacks really went down. We weren't making we weren't getting turnovers like 
it's it's kind of simple when you really boil it down. It's like you just need a lot of dudes, and you need those guys to step up and make plays at key moments, and that is crystal clear in the UCF game and in the Tulane game. Yeah, and, and like I like I said, and uh, I know I talked to you guys about this before, but I you know I, I tweeted out like you know, see who the, the the real ride or die UC fans are because <laughs> it, it's 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 one and, and people took it like. A crazy way like i was like i don't know somebody thought i was like gatekeeping fandom to, to uc and all the only point i was really trying to make is uh the, when you're when you, the team that you're now like all of a sudden a fan of isn't at the top of the proverbial mountaintop uh there are fans who fade into the ether and go elsewhere with their fair weather fandom um that's fine. That, that, I mean, that's, that's gonna ha- it's gonna happen no matter what. I'd rather that happen than yeah. Then you have like back to back four and eight seasons, and there's yes. eight thousand people at the Memphis game uh, where I wasn't even there. I went on vacation to Atlanta to see a buddy, and I'm like hardly even paying attention as they're getting walk dog walked up and down the field. Like you, you don't know, want that. Fans they, come and go. It happens. Like you're, how do you still how have do you, a chance to win ten games this year? how you allocate your time and money is none of my business. If you want to be right. a diehard and listen to every one of our podcasts and go to every game and go to the road games. Awesome. If you just want to casually stop in, if they're having a, having a good season yeah. or with, like it's whatever to me, but like, you know, it's just gonna, it just, most of it makes me laugh. Cause oh. you know, it, it, I think it's all, it's all funny. And then I get, you know, you're not allowed to laugh and you're not allowed to joke and, because this is, you know, this is clearly something horrible. You know, like, you know, this is life or death. I mean, God like, forbid oh, they, God forbid they go nine and three and don't, don't, you know, have four straight unbelievable seasons. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's nice, it's nice to have a team that is this good. The expectations are where they are, um, <laughs> and and I obviously like we have it kind of boosts what we said at the beginning of the year. You've got to you. They've, this coaching staff has earned earned the right to make the decisions they're going to make, and you have to expect that that is the best decision for the team. I think it was. They got to where they're at. Unfortunately, they didn't make enough plays in the last game to to get over the mountaintop. Then there was another. You have to put your all your eggs in the one win USF basket that uh, got spilled all over the place at the end of that game. I'm sure Aaron has a, a you, very... All you, all you suckers stayed up all night watching that garbage thinking that they actually a, had a chance to win. A very in-depth... I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I didn't either. Was well, that last it. touchdown a touchdown? I don't I, think it was a touchdown. I have no idea. I haven't seen a single thing from that game. Um, I saw the highlight that you're talking about, Aaron, and I'm sure you're going to break it down frame by sure. frame on I, the I, LAC I recap. If it was um, called... I mean, I, from what it sounds like, it, it, became, it was a touchdown because it was called a touchdown on the field. Yeah. And, if it wasn't called attention on the field, it probably wouldn't have been. But I haven't Dave, seen it. Dave, he been. jumped. He jumped from like the half yard line over the corner, over the pylon, landed out of bounds. Yeah, I didn't uh, see anywhere I where he seen landed. It in really like, but he caught it when he jumped. Like he 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 didn't He's have the, the ball until he yeah. was. He caught it over the end zone, but I'm not sure he ever touched the end zone. And here's the thing: wild. is like. You know, I we're, hate everything. We're we're complaining. You know, like you you're bringing up a, a play that happened in a game that shouldn't have mattered because everything right. was in was in front yeah. of you, and and you dropped. If, the ball. if, if, if we win, is. we're not worried about one and eleven, when, one and ten South Florida winning Florida, a game like against a ranked UCF, like a, a no, very no, like I a mean, very I always, UCF team. 
I always kind of looked at this year as just a, a transition, like yeah. not not a rebuild, not a reload, not none of these re whatevers. Like I just looked at it as like, how are we transitioning from what was last year on the field, the players, the coaches, everything that's that is not part of this program anymore. <clears throat> How are we transitioning to what we're going to go into? And I think I think the clearest thing that it told me in this transition is that we need more dudes. More dudes and more dudes that are like 21, 22 year olds, not 17, 18 year old freshmen. And I don't think that this is a Philosophy change for the program. I mean, as long as Luke is the coach, they're going to recruit high school kids. But the transfer portal is a much, much bigger piece of the overall puzzle, and it's only going to get bigger. And I think if you're not Mm -hmm. using it, you're you're doing it to it at a detriment to your program. Like they cannot go into the Big Twelve and just think that we're going to develop the guys we have on the roster. And that young guys are going to step up and, and it's going to be, you know, we're going to meet the expectations that we have. They need to go. And I think they realize this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like breaking any news. I, um, I think they realize that we need to go get some adults, whether they've played a lot or not, but like we need some adults at certain positions that are developed and that, you know, are not, you know, well, let's you know use D line for example. Like we need some, 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 some size. We need some. Because you're 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 not going to have like, a Dante Corleone that comes in every year, like a whole line of freshman Dante Corleone. Like you, that's not going to happen. No, you, you need gotta, like you, ac- across the board. You need more six four, six five, two two eighty, two like even at the edge end position. Like I told Chad, there shouldn't be a single position that is off the Safe. board like no i mean if, if you find the right guy and you have the right and yeah i don't i don't necessarily think there is it's just a matter of finding that person that wants to he come didn't, he didn't seem to agree well yeah. i'm sure he didn't but no i mean you 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 throw out interest to certain <clears throat> players and if they are interested in what you offer then mm-hmm. you go down the road further but they I mean, they definitely need to in my opinion, to to improve the overall roster. And I don't think that that comes from solely as much as it has in the past from just straight high school recruiting. Yeah. You, I mean, like all those guys aren't going to hit and they're going to take, I mean, there's certain, there's guys in this fresh incoming freshman class I think are really good, but like they're not helping next year in the big 12. No, you, you've got to go. And really, I mean, (laughs) Uh, this is gonna like come. I don't know. It's gonna sound awful. Uh, it's it's kind of good the situation they ended up in in this two lane game, like having to start Evan um, to see what was there, to show what was there, um, and know like kind of really know, at least let the fan base know <laughs> that that the decisions they made were the right ones. I mean, I know that like, look, I don't want anybody to get hurt or like somebody lose their starting role because they get hurt and these kinds of things. But like the definitive answer is exactly what you're saying that they've got, they've got to go get dudes in certain spots. And like Aaron said, 
he doesn't care if the whole team leaves and they replace him with everybody out of the transfer portal. Uh, but you know they've got a pretty clear picture here of of what what's got to happen. I think they probably had the that picture uh, kind of behind closed doors before some other people like the the rest of the family saw it. I don't know who's going to be available. I think it opens in like eight days, the uh, the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, technically December 5th, <clears throat> unless you're a grad transfer or you're <clears throat> on a team with a coaching change, they are officially in the portal. <clears throat> now, let's be real. There are conversations being had na- oh. <clears throat> nationwide because you're going to see guys on official visits December 8th. Yeah. And you think that that all happened in three days from the time that they officially went into the portal on December 5th to setting up official visit somewhere on December 8th. I mean, you're probably going to see guys committing to uh, hitting the portal and committing in the same day to some places. I I mean, it it wouldn't surprise me at all. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's going to happen. We know it happens. It's, it is what it is. I know there's now there there's a, a pretty concerted effort out there um, for a, a new NIL collective here at, at UC. Um, so like th- those things are going to have to be leveraged. Uh, it, yeah, I mean it, it, it all it has to like, it all out. has to ramp up everything. Talent eval, yeah. talent development, portal usage, and NIL are giving to the program whether you know as a donor whether it's donor time going to game like. Everything has to ramp up and everything has to sustain. Like we, you know, if you want to have continued success, <clears throat> like look at a pro like, and granted, this has been built over a long, long time. Yeah. But like, look at a program like Nebraska. They have stunk for a long time and their fan base has stayed very loyal because they realize that like, we're, we can help the program get out of this hole. Now they've made bad coaching hires and, and things have, have been problematic along those lines, but like UC has to get to a point and it might still take a lot of time, but UC has to get to a point to where if you have a bad season, everybody like half the fan base doesn't just jump ship. doesn't disappear. Yep. Like you, you're, you're, you're four and four and you have a home game and there's 20,000 people there. Like that can't happen anymore. You have like, and we need, that's why we need to keep building the fan base because you know, numbers tell you that, people are going to fan that way. So you have to have more people bought in no matter what. I mean, that's, that's what it comes into the program. That's what it comes down to. Like, and if you're going to compete at the highest level, if you're going to win big 12 championships and compete against programs that have bigger fan bases, bigger stadiums, way more historic, money, historic fan bases, then you, then we have to do our, do the part that we can control also. So, you know, it's it's going to be a learning experience for everybody. Um, I think it's it's obviously great. And I'm willing to, you know, take whatever negative, you know, take whatever roadblocks come with it versus the nonsense that would be, you know, continuing on the path that we were on. Yeah, like, I mean, there's not going to be, I can't think of a, a big 12 game where you're going to go to a road stadium and there's going to be, you know, 15 people sitting in the, on the 50 yard line that happened to be like, you know, the parents of seniors from the other team. And that's <laughs> right. it. Um, I, I just can't see that happening anywhere in the big 12. So that that's good. And like, 
you know, there are going to be some, you know, we're, we've obviously developed a, a, a pretty healthy rivalry with, uh, with UCF. Like that's, that's come together. Um, I'm excited about that. The, the fan bases genuinely hate each other <laughs> um, and it, yeah. it's cool. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, you know, it was brought up that, you know, with the, we talked about this over the summer that, uh, I think it was a West Virginia, Aaron can probably correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think it was a West Virginia like fans Reddit post about, you know, the way that conferences are changing that you, you don't get to keep these, these long extended rivalries. Um, we're kind of lucky that we're moving into the big 12 with, with UCF and it's been a pretty fun rivalry. Um, hopefully those things are allowed to, to foster and, and build and, and I don't know, maybe they'll come up with some kind of something or another, but I did see that uh, you know maybe we end up going against Louisville uh, in a bowl game, and maybe we can. I would just like to go up against a team in a bowl game that's not six and six. I don't really care who it is, but every game that we play outside of (laughs) the the Peach Bowl and the College Bowl playoff during this stretch, they've all been six and six ACC teams. Like, can I just get like an eight and four pit? Like someone that like. You know, whatever. Well, I mean, something like, to draw some interest. I mean, I think the Louisville game would draw interest just because. It would draw, oh, for sure. I mean, that's, yeah. that's that would be just a fun game because we don't get to play them anymore. But, like, yeah. I don't care yeah. about whatever bowl game they go to. It's not no. about me. It, you know, the players deserve it. The coaches deserve it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They didn't not, sneak. They didn't backdoor their way into a bowl, into bowl eligibility. Like, you know, we weren't, we're not standing there hoping, you know, against hope that they win their last game to become bowl eligible. Right. Um, and you know, it, the the season didn't turn out the way that we, or the players or coaches or whatever, really were hoping that it would. Um, but I think a lot of like a lot of questions were answered throughout the season, uh, and we can move move through this transition into the Big Twelve, uh, knowing what what's what needs to happen. For sure, you want to uh, you want to do some uh, national stuff because there was there was clearly yeah. Um, uh, a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, the number two team in the country. Well, we can skip the number one team in the country because that wasn't a game. Um, <laughs> Georgia played Georgia Tech and, and handily beat them. Uh, but the number set, two. Seven nothing Georgia Tech for a minute. <laughs> was it just a minute? Well, I mean, I guess it was seven to three at the end of the, the first quarter. So you know, they did have a lead there. Uh, but. The number two team in the country got run out of their own stadium. That is a uh, soft finesse collection of very good players that feels like it has something missing to be a great team. And that collection of very good players is good enough to be a lot of good to very good teams but it seems like their overall style of play isn't is not meant to be uh teams with comparable talent who also uh like to play a certain brand of football yeah um i thought michigan was going to be in trouble when quorum couldn't go uh and it looked that way Early on, oh, I felt they had no chance to score enough points to win. 
and with, then, with, with Corbin being injured, Donovan Edwards being injured. They're well, like, Donovan Edwards ended up with right. I mean, he ended up 150 God. yards on two plays. 22 carries for 216 yards. I think 205 of those yards were in the second half. That's crazy. J.J. McCarthy did enough. 12 for 24 for 263 yards. Like you're there. There's a there's 50% passing completion, but for yeah, 263 yards. Safe safety DB busts all over the place, and and five or six plays over 30 yards. Yeah. It, it was a game where, like, one of my really good friends went to Ohio State. He's a huge Ohio State fan. Like, he does, he roots for UC um, on the games. That, so, like, I, he's not your typical Ohio State fan. Um, but I did, I did leave him alone last night. I didn't yeah. send, didn't send any, any messages to him. Um, but it was, it was pretty clear who the better team was on the field. Um, and and it wasn't Ohio State. Uh, I I did think it was going to be a closer game. I didn't think that one team or the other was going to do what you know Michigan did to to Ohio State. And they and they scored a kind of a you know like the the exclamation point touchdown at the end. Yeah, he just extended it, busted an eighty yard run. Yeah. Um, but I I didn't think that it was really that close of a game. I mean. No, it certainly wasn't. I mean, it felt like it all kind of flipped. They were Ohio State was what down twenty four twenty, around mm-hmm. the forty yard line or so of Michigan, and Ryan Day decided to punt, and they went right down and and scored, and and the game kind of ended right there. And I'm not saying if he'd have went for it that it would have, you know, and converted that. Who knows how it would have changed? But that that definitely felt like a. Uh, momentum play where uh cj stroud was clearly wanting to go for it yeah and, and, and they, they did not but and his his uh cj stroud's heisman heisman uh quest uh was went up in smoke uh yesterday out there in columbus so yeah i, I think caleb williams has locked locked that bad boy up and then you i mean we can we can jump there if you want to go was it usc notre dame Sure. Um, I didn't really get to see like a whole whole lot of it. Um, my my kid took over control of the uh, the the TV and wanted to watch um, Texas A and M LSU. So uh, that's that's what what we ended up watching. Um, some of but. yeah, I, w- I watched a, a decent amount. I mean, Notre Dame hung around for a little bit, but you know. Uh, USC keeps their ridiculous turnover luck, you know, manufacturing, whatever you want to say, going. They're like plus 26, 27 in turnovers this year. It's ridiculous. Um, Yeah, they got two more. But yeah, offensively, they're just, they're hard to to slow down. And and defensively, they create turnovers. And their defense isn't really that good, but they've taken the ball away so much that, you know, Sets their offensive up, offense up in a great spot. Um, Clemson lost at home. So you have the two longest home win home streaks win go go down on back to back days. It was, you know, it was uh, didn't didn't see a, a ton of that, but 
I will say with Notre Dame, um, they did turn around a season that looked like it was going to be horrendously disastrous um, at the start. Uh, they they seem to not have much of an identity or anybody that could do much of anything for them, and they uh, I guess what are they eight and four now? So what they in, yes. they in the season eight and four? So yes, and they had they had their their signature win over over Clemson. So yeah, good for good for Marcus Freeman. And then no uh, who, who did you want to jump? Who are you jumping to next? Clemson? Ah, uh, yeah, I mean Clemson lost to LSU. I mean there was a lot going on. Um, uh, the Tennessee Vols had a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vanderbilt one. really, Vanderbilt really came out, punched them in the mouth. Uh, yeah. Early on, and uh, and you know Tennessee eked out a fifty-six to nothing win. Tennessee's backup quarterback throw is the prettiest football I've ever seen. Now, half the time he has no idea where it's going, especially <laughs> especially on deep balls. Like, I mean, he, Jeff, I'm not kidding. I think he can throw the ball hundred yards. I think we talked about this. Like, like he, has strong, he has the strongest arm I've ever seen. He's overthrowing <laughs> guys on like six by ten yards on sixty yard go routes. Like, it's ridiculous. But Vandy had the most Vandy play Vandy could ever Vandy, where they they were getting destroyed. They faked a punt, got the first down, and then the punter got hit and fumbled, and Tennessee recovered it. I don't know what I don't know what to say to that. And That's, Vandy also beating Kentucky and Florida makes beating them fifty six to nothing just a little sweeter. That like uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Is this the same Alex Bales that? Yes, it, it is. is. I had no idea he dropped punts for Oregon. Yeah, I didn't know that he. That was a wild one. I stopped watching it, and then I'm then I see on Twitter that like. Oregon State has now scored 21 unanswered points and is winning. It's like, wait, I thought this game was because it was 14 10 at halftime. Within the first six minutes of the second half, Oregon scores two touchdowns. So I'm like, well, it's 28 10. I'm not really watching this anymore. And then all of a sudden, I see that Oregon State scores 21 straight and they're now winning. Yeah. So it was very, it was very, very confusing. And then Oregon gets all the way down. Pretty much a chance to win or or whatever, and doesn't do it. Which I'm not going to take this one away from Aaron and uh, Chad later, but I did see the very end of the Memphis SMU game, and if Ryan Silverfield from Memphis gets fired because his quarterback made one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen in my life, I actually feel really bad for him. Ooh, I, I didn't watch that game, so I... there's nine seconds left. They have the ball on SMU's like three yard line, down three. So obviously they're going to try to score to mm-hmm. win, but you're in field goal range. So you're going to overtime more than likely. He throws an interception in the end zone where there wasn't a Memphis player within 10 yards of the guy that he threw the ball to. It's almost as if he had money on the game. Like he had SMU money line. <laughs> and I have to figure out a way to win this bet because. I have no idea what he was doing. I have no idea who he was throwing the ball to. And like SMU wins by three because it was it was wild that, that that's what happened at the end of the game. And then uh well Utah Utah had a tough one against Colorado, who yeah. is apparently offered uh prime the uh coaching that would decision. Just there. be an awful decision by him. Uh, but to <laughs> To, to get into the into the power five any way you can. No, to get, get in, in 
to get into that situation. Like, there's other jobs that he could get that, that he could get that he would be more successful at. Uh, uh, Penn State, Michigan State was relatively good game for a while, um, and then Penn State kind of ended it there in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, UCF South Florida. Uh, another AAC matchup that uh, Aaron will cover. I did and, not watch uh, any of it, so I will not speak. I, I didn't watch it um, only because I watched the I watched John Rice Plumley run for like a hundred yards on the first drive um, <laughs> and score a touchdown, and I was like, "Well, that was fun." Because uh, I tried to do the same thing I did when I predicted that UCF would lose to Navy, which turned out well. So I, I tweeted, "USF's going to beat UCF." Um, so we tried it again. And then it was a, a a large gap. I think they were down twenty eight to seven at one point, um, and then they scored they scored twenty two points. It looks like in the in the third quarter. Um, so I so like Twitter starts blowing up with like, oh my god, is this really happening? And I'm like, I can't I can't turn the game on now. I haven't watched any more of it since. Yeah, silly like, people. Like it was bad. So then then I guess it you know kind of they they didn't get the stop that they needed to get. I don't know. Somebody, I guess they USF ran like three three runs right up the middle when they, you know, I don't know if they were having success elsewhere at that point. Um, obviously, that was a long shot that that was going to happen. That you know they were going to assist UC to backing into the championship yeah. game at that point. Um, Aaron's probably got a very in depth breakdown coming oh, for that I'm, game later. I'm so very I'll, excited I'll wait for that. Very excited for that. No, uh, but there is. I mean, there is. There is quite the shakeup at the the top of the top of the CFP. I, I mean, I don't I don't know who you, you what you got TCU won. Yeah, I mean, I think if TCU wins the Big Twelve and USC wins the Pac twelve, it's Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. And which I'm which I'm hoping good. for, hoping for beyond hope. Yes, yeah. because I I just don't. I want to see. I like seeing teams that haven't been in. I don't <laughs> want. To run the risk, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama is in, or I don't need to. I don't need to see those teams anymore. Like Alabama and Ohio State did not have playoff worthy seasons. Like, yeah, they didn't. Uh, And I don't. Now they might get in because God for no one else did either. That's the problem. Like you know, if TCU and and or USC lose. Like I don't have another team that I would say deserves to be in over them. If there was a year for them to start the 12 team playoff, this year would have been fun for it. Just because I think that there's a lot of teams across that, like in the, the, the upper echelon there that are kind of, you know, back and forth. Yeah. There's a lot of really good teams. There's not four like outstanding playoff worthy teams this year. Natalie, I don't know if uh, I don't think tonight's going to be the the grand finale. Of the there's AAC there's still the championship game. There's still bowl games, and there's still basketball season. Can't wait. Yeah, Aaron's really excited about it. That's why the you know the first two letters of his name are A A. That's right. <laughs> oh, uh, the highlighter green uniforms that USF was wearing. Yeah, yeah. There's that's there's, a that's a decision too. Not awesome. Oh. Um, I do want to go back to, uh, and I guess we probably know now why they handled it the way they did. But again, at the end of the first half in the UC game, I just 
I, I don't know. Just kind of packing it in, not calling a timeout. I know we were already yeah. done talking about that, but it just jumped back in my head because I recall saying that that was quite the decision. Hey, Aaron. The way the time was handled. Can you there. jump in here for a second? Yes. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. Oh. Dave's going to jump out. What were your thoughts, Aaron? On the, the, the clock management at the end of the first half of uh of the UC game. I don't know, man. I mean, just if there's if there's something to be nitpicky with Coach yeah. Luke Fickle about, it's mismanagement of the clock at the end of either half and yeah. mismanagement of timeouts. That has been a consistent, fairly consistent thing. I mean, all the way back to like if you look at, at the, the game against Georgia. What's that been now? Two and a half years ago? Two years ago? Yeah. Um, obviously, there was some clock mismanagement there. Um, I don't know. Are you going to be going to whatever bowl game uh, UC ends up in? Like, Am I, I going to drive to Annapolis over the Pennsylvania Turnpike in the middle of winter? No. So, Come sorry, on, Aaron. Uh, Show some dedication. I'm trying to live. I heard screaming and the door, door slamming, uh, and I thought... We oh, had, man. had issues, but instead there's like a dance party going on. So I don't I don't want to go careening off a highway in the mountains of Pennsylvania as my last moments here on this earth. <laughs> All right, no do thanks. we wanna we wanna cover uh week eleven of Bearcats in the NFL? Sure. Uh Brian Cook, three tackles. Marquise Copeland, ah, two tackles. Jerome Ford, two um uh, uh two returns, forty nine yards and a tackle. Eric Forrest, four tackles, an interception, a uh, pass defense, and uh, he was he joined them on the the BBP this past week. Uh, yes, was, he showed up there. Uh, Sauce Gardner, a tackle on a pass defense. Travis Kelsey, six receptions, 115 yards, and three touchdowns. Jason Kelsey, zero sacks allowed. Uh, Chris Moore, five receptions, 20 yards. Alec Pierce, three receptions for 28 yards. Majay Sanders, two tackles, and Eric Wilson with a tackle. So, again, like we say every week, it's fun to have these guys in the NFL that we can flip through games when when our beloved Bengals aren't playing. That's right. And they've got quite the game uh, scheduled today down yeah. in Nashville. And I don't know if they officially ruled Chase out today. Yes, he is not playing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess the team, uh, the team hasn't said anything i guess but they don't really have to with yeah it doesn't there's enough people saying that he's not playing for me to think that he's not playing so you know to get a similar similar responses to last week in uh pittsburgh and hopefully ryan Tannehill does more ryan Tannehill like things like he did last year against the bengals um the defense joe mixon is also out still with concussion like Syndromes has not symptoms and syndrome symptoms has it has it been cleared? Uh, but this is I mean this is an easy one. Like the Titans have a really good defense. They're gonna want to run Derrick Henry and play off of that with play action and uh, so it's 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 you know it's very similar to like the the UC game Friday. Like you you know what you're getting with the Titans. Yep. And they're playing really good. I mean they're only lost. In their last eight is an overtime loss at Kansas City. So they're playing well. The Bengals are playing well. Uh, you know, need to they get a road win here and go to seven and four. 
that sets them I mean, they still have several tough games. You still have the Chiefs, you still have the Bucks, you still have to go to New England, you gotta play the Bills, but like seven and four puts them in a pretty good spot to uh, you know, have a have a real real uh, real chance to to get back to the playoffs. Yeah, we went we went over all of the like the kind of our predictions on the the games, and Ed was supposed to write them down so we can go back and look at that at the end of the year. Um, so we'll we'll see what that comes out to. But you know, the, I think they need to get to eleven wins um, to, to get into the playoffs. I know that there's been there have been some people who've said that you know there's some scenarios where they can only win nine games and sneak into that wild card spot, but I don't want to leave it up to that. I think they need eleven. Um, and it's going to start, you know, this this kind of difficult stretch now starts with the Titans at, at 1 o'clock today. Yep. Oh. So I, don't know, we, I don't know if there's going to be a Bearcat brunch next week. If it's Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure there will be. We're, gonna, uh, we're, we're, <clears throat> we're going until the season's over, pal. So uh, <laughs> there, there won't be a, you know, much, uh, there won't be a, a Bearcats game to recap next week, but there will be some other things to recap. No, so we'll talk. We might, you know, we can discuss the, some the things. Por- the portal will about to be about to open Monday. Maybe I'll have some, some info on some, some players that, you know, they might be interested in, you know, maybe we'll, you know, at, we'll kind of yeah. look at, at that and, <clears throat> and discuss uh, the, ch- the championship games and the, and the, the CFP and, yeah, we'll solve the, It'll just the, be a little, a slightly different format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we will be back. So keep the uh, your alerts set on, and keep liking things, and keep showing up, and and uh, we really appreciate all the the engagement during the show, and on the uh, Bearcat Journal boards. Uh, we enjoy that. If you guys like have questions and things that you want to like fire into there, we are reading them and looking at them and trying to take them into consideration. Absolutely. So with that, we thank you again, as always, for joining us on the Bearcat Brunch as we close out the regular season. Cincinnati finishes the regular season 9-3. We'll be looking to see what bowl game they go to and who the opponent is. So with that, thank everybody. Have a great Sunday, Cincinnati.